Well, I've never been to a Pentecostal church before, but I guarantee if we had a visitor this morning that we wouldn't be accused of that, would we? <laughs> Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you so much for the gift of today, for your love, Lord Jesus, for your sovereignty, your dominion over all things, for your holiness, for being completely set apart and unique and different from anything and everything. God, we pray that your spirit would fall fresh on us this morning, that you would be present with us, Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears that you would open our hearts, that we would lean into the word, not the broken vessel through which it's being communicated, but that we would learn, learn to listen to you, that you would speak to our hearts, into our lives, that you would radically transform all the areas of sin, and anything and everything in our lives that's not pleasing to you, God, and that you would conform us into the image of our Savior, our King, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Well, we are in Psalm 96 today, so I'm not going to have you turn there. Of course not. Why would Pastor Kevin have us turn to the passage of Scripture that we're going to be covering today? You can, you can earmark it, but... We're going to start somewhere else. I'm going to start off, I like starting with questions because I think it kind of gets you from being just a passive recipient into someone who's an active listener. I want to get you engaged, okay? I want to get you engaged this morning, okay? All right. So I'm going to ask a question, and you can answer. It doesn't have to be rhetorical. Can you remember a time when you, you, not an organization, not the church, not a program, but when you were on fire for the Lord. Can you remember a time when you were on fire for the Lord? I got one, two, maybe three. Can you remember that? Can you remember? Is it now? The number of yeses went from like 10 down to like two. That's okay. But if it's not right now, if it's more of a nostalgic reflection, if you're thinking back and saying, oh yeah, I remember, I remember back when I was 12 years old. I remember I was on fire for the Lord. Maybe it's been a long time. You can turn there or you can listen. I'm going to start off today in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is speaking, and he says to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 2, verse 2, beginning there, says, I know your works. I know your labors. I know your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. I know this. Sounds pretty good, right? You've tested all those who call themselves apostles. You've got some good structures in place. 
You've got some protocols and some procedures. You don't just let random Joe come in off the street and stand up in the pulpit and start spewing garbage out of his mouth. You've got some good systems in place. You've tested those who call themselves apostles, but they're not. You found them to be liars. Sounds pretty good. I know that you've persevered. I know that you've endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. I can imagine the people in the church of Ephesus kind of, you know, that's right, we've done all that. (laughs) Pull the suspenders a little bit. And then Jesus says, but... But, but I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. Some translations, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Does that keep you up at night? Apparently not. Jesus goes on. He says the remedy, the solution, the protocol, the prescription, if you find yourself in this dilemma, in this position where you've forgotten the love you had at first, and the fire burning in your belly for Christ and the gospel seems to have dwindled down to an ember that's barely simmering and about to go out, Thankfully, he gives us the prescription. He says, remember, remember how far you've fallen. It's not words of condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. But his correction is necessary, and it's loving. He doesn't say, I want you to focus on what kind of snacks you're going to serve the kids. He doesn't say, I want you to worry about the programs on Wednesday nights. He doesn't say, I want you to worry about what color you're going to paint the sanctuary, whether or not you're going to have grape juice or wine for the Lord's Supper, whether you do it once a month or every week. He doesn't say that. He says, remember the love, the fire, the passion you had at first. And if you never had it, then you've never known him. And if you don't have it today, hang in there. Because he's not condemning you. He's not pouring guilt and shame upon you, and neither am I. Remember how far you've fallen. Repent. See, there's stuff that we've got to do. If that's the old Kevin, and that's not where I am anymore, Jesus is saying there's a fix. Man, there's a fix. And it's not more religious stuff. It's not filling up your schedule with more programs. 
It's not doing more things that are churchy. Remember, repent, literally turn from the garbage that you're doing, the priorities that you have that are not Christ, turn from them. Literally turn. I shared with someone this week, I love when people say, man, it was so good it made me do a complete 360 in my life. If you're doing a 360, you're back to where you started from. It's not a 360, 180's good. Repent, that's what repent is. Turn away from the things that you've prioritized, not that he has, not that he said in his word, this is what your priorities should be, it's what we've prioritized. It's the idols that we've made, our golden calf. That's our stuff, man. That's what makes us better than those Methodists down the street those Presbyterians, those Pentecostals who get up and wave their hands. We're not doing that. Fold them, right? Fold them, stick them in your pocket, and if that groove starts to get you, sit down. Don't move. Don't sing. Don't have a new song in your heart. Don't do it. We're Baptists. Somebody might think we're weird. I hope you think I'm weird. I hope you do. I hope you think maybe from week to week, man, there's something wrong with that Pastor Kevin guy. I hope that you do. Because I don't want to be vanilla about my love affair with my Savior. I don't. And if you walk in here and you leave these doors and there's no transformation, I get to go and stand before my maker and he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want anyone to think I was weird, Jesus. I didn't want them to think I was strange. I wanted everyone to like me. What kind of haircut do you think I should have? Does it offend you that sometimes I wear flip-flops? Then you would probably have a problem with Jesus wearing sandals. See, he says, remember and repent. And he says, do the works. Wait a minute, pastor. Wait a minute, Pastor. Are you talking a workspace salvation? It's in the Word. Do the works. Walk it out. The good things that He's prepared in advance for you to do. But I asked Him into my heart. So I'm good. Jesus will complete the work that He began. Does that line up with perseverance and endurance and hardships and what it says in the Word? Remember, repent, do the works you did at first. And this is the part that terrifies me as a pastor, as a Christian. Otherwise, Jesus says, I'll come to you and I'm going to take that lampstand. You're not going to be my testimony. If you're so watered down and weak and pathetic as a Christian, that your biggest testimony is the cross that you have in your front lawn from Easter. He is risen. That's it. That's all I got. And God, if that doesn't bring anybody into heaven, then I don't know what else to do. Otherwise, I'll come and I'll remove your lampstand. Repent. Yet, You do have this. At least you don't practice 
what those Nicolaitans do. Let anyone who has ears listen. See, this is the last part. This is the last part, right? Let anyone who has ears. I do this to Connor from time to time when I'm trying to get his attention. Connor, what is Papa saying to you? What am I telling you that I want you to do? And he's nodding, and then he wanders off, and he comes back, and it's not done. I asked you to do this, and this is what you did. Oh, I thought what you said. Well, that's not what I said. Because you weren't listening. And I think then when we go and we stand before Jesus, like those people in Matthew's gospel, they say, but Jesus, didn't we say, Lord, Lord? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we? Didn't we do miraculous works? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do a lot of really cool, wonderful, great stuff? And we even put your name tag on it. Sticker, Jesus. We held a parade for you, Jesus. We called names against people that were sinners and homosexuals and soldiers. We did that for you in your name. And Jesus says, away from me. You evildoers, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Does that keep you awake at night? Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers. Why would he say the one who conquers if all we've got to do is ask him into our heart? See, conquering means it's a battle, folks. Did you come here this morning all suited up? Did you come ready for battle with your helmet and your breastplate and your belt and your sandals and your shield and your sword and say, devil, I'm ready to get it on. Bring it. Leaning over to your spouse, he's lost it. Pastor Kevin's lost it. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What did you do at first? When I asked that question and I said, was there a time, was there a time when you were on fire for the Lord? He said, oh, yes, I remember nostalgia. Let's roll it back. What were you doing? What were you doing? Were you getting up early in the morning and diving into his word? When the, before you even opened up your eyes, were you calling out to Jesus saying, thank you, Lord, for another day? Did you roll out of bed before your feet ever hit the floor? Did your knees hit the floor? And did you get down on your face and did you say, Jesus, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for sealing me with the gift of faith, your Holy Spirit. Thank you. When's the last time you did that? See, if you haven't, then the problem is you've got an old song. You've got an old, old song. It's old. And you're not willing to listen to a new one. He wants to breathe newness of life into your lives so that you're not walking around saying, Sunday is just a thing we do. 
Got to get out of bed because mom and dad, well, they'd be on me all week long if I didn't go to church. Got to make the wife happy. Got to make the husband happy. This is what we're supposed to do because this is what Jesus wants. Jesus wants a bunch of religious robots. It's not what he wants. He wants you to know him. He wants you to live and to prosper. He wants to fill your life with abundance. Is that what you're experiencing? See, because I could have just started and I could have read through Psalm 96 and we could have all gone, yay, with our pathetic little church cheer. And then we smile with our polite form of religion. And then we go back to the monotony of life tomorrow. Is that what Jesus wants? Is that what you want? It's not what I want. It's not what I want. Somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, and it happens to all of us, all of us, that's why God put it in his word. We hit the religious autopilot, right? It's the temptation every day, right? We teach our kids a bunch of Bible stories. They don't know how they fit or what they mean. They just know, oh, Jonah, he got eaten by a fish, and, you know, people marched around Jericho. I've seen that on VeggieTales. Yeah, okay, I'm good. Now I should become a doctor or a lawyer, make some money, live in a really nice neighborhood, have some kids of my own, and let's just repeat the cycle so that when we all get to heaven and stand before Jesus, I asked you into my heart. Didn't we do good things in your name? He says, I never knew you. Do you have a lampstand? Do you have a testimony? Who's going to be in the kingdom because of you? Oh, that's not really my part, Pastor. I just show up on Sunday. That's your part. That's what we're paying you for. That's your job. He gives us some pointers, some tips. They're imperatives. He says, remember the bliss you had at first. He says, repent. He says, do. Do the things you did at first. And then he says, what I think is the most important part of all of it in verse 7, listen to what the Spirit says. Are you dialed into the Spirit? The Spirit. You might be dialed into a Spirit. A Spirit of romance. A boy or a girl that you're enamored with. A job. A career. We're all listening to a Spirit of some sort. But are you dialed into the Spirit?
And if not, if we're not listening, then praise God. Today's a new day and His mercies are new. Amen? Psalm 96. Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing a new song. Sing a new song to Yahweh. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. New song. Not that same busted old record that we've been playing. As I've shared with some of you or maybe all of you before, the reason why we sing hymns in church isn't because you like them. We sing hymns in the church because there's rich theology in them. And if there isn't rich theology in it, I don't care. Just because it's a catchy tune and we all like it, we're not going to get up here one Sunday and say, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, Riceroni. We're not going to sing those songs. But there's no difference between singing that and singing a hymn or a contemporary song that's catchy and fun, one that I like, that I played in my recent stuff on Amazon Music or whatever it is that you listen to. It doesn't matter. Is it a new song? Do you find something in it today that you say, yes, Lord, I hear you. See, because he's wanting to communicate to you in and through his word, in and through music, in and through the preaching and teaching of the word. If you're a teacher and you say, I don't really know what to teach this week, how do you not know what to teach If we had no curriculum, no Lifeway books, no nothing, and it was just you and the Word and the time that you spent with God this week, and I said, Vincent, I need you to step up, I guarantee Vincent would bring it. He would bring the heat. He would bring it. And yet we've got people within our own church that say, if we don't have a curriculum to go by, what are we supposed to teach? Teach what it is that you've been listening passionately on your knees day after day and saying, Holy Spirit, teach me. I don't know what I'm going to teach this week. The pastor's got to give me stuff at least six months in advance so I can prepare a lesson. Why? The Holy Spirit should be talking to you all the time. And if you need a book from Lifeway to tell you what to share with our children, we've got a big problem. We got a big problem, folks. If you can't walk out of here today and say, I am ready to teach a class, somebody, anybody, give me somebody next door over there, my next door neighbor, somebody on Facebook, somebody at my job, somebody that's one of my clients. Somebody that I ride horses with. I want to share what God is sharing with me. And if that's not how you feel, what's wrong? Sing a new song. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Not part of the earth. Not a couple of people in the earth. Not just our group or that group, the whole earth, everything that's within it. See, that's the telos, that's the Greek word, the goal, the consummation of all things under Christ, the eternal king. That's where it's going. And if you're not on board with where it's going, then what are you doing now? 
If this is just a thing that you do on Sundays to pass the time, we've had many people that have come and visited our fellowship and said, Pastor Kevin, I don't like the way that you preach. It's a little too bold. It's a little too in my face. Had someone last week share what I consider to be a just genuine compliment. They said, you are a hammer. And I said, thank you very much. You're a hammer. I bring what God lays on my heart. And maybe we're all nails, and that's why we need a hammer. There's enough fluffy garbage out there to fill the world, folks. There's enough fluffy garbage out there. Somebody's got to tell the truth. Somebody's got to tell the truth and bring a new song. After we listen to the Spirit, we got to be ready. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Let the whole earth sing. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name in verse 2. You realize that we get to bless? Y'all going to miss that? We get to bless his name. The God of eternity who's needing, wanting, lacking nothing whatsoever. Nothing. See, because if he was deficient in some way, then he wouldn't be God. He lacks nothing. But we, these minuscule specks that are part of his creation, we get to bless God's name. Amen. We get to bless God's name. Does that get you goosies? Does it get you fired up? When I get to sing to the creator of all things, the one who finally tuned the universe, the one who set aside a garden, who took Adam and dedicated him to Abad and to Shamar, I get to lift up my voice. He gave me a voice, and I get to lift it up to him. Not to sing Madonna not to sing Britney Spears, not to sing the other secular garbage that's out there, but I get to sing praise unto the king of eternity. That's what I get to do, and we get to bless his name. Not only that, we get to proclaim his salvation. That word in Hebrew, salvation, is actually Yeshua. We get to proclaim the gospel Yeshua is Joshua, we would say in English, which was Jesus' birth name. We call him Jesus in English, but his name was Yeshua, Joshua, the Lord saves. We get to proclaim the salvation of Jesus Christ when we sing. Who are you singing to, Vincent? Jesus. I am singing my creator, the creator, the eternal king. I'm singing his name. I'm singing about salvation. So it's telling us about the content. It's telling us about what it does. It blesses his name. It tells us that it's about his salvation. It's actually the name of Jesus. And then how frequently do we get to do it? From day to day. Do you realize that there's never going to be a day, ever, where you're not going to be allowed to sing his name? You can choose not to. And then you can go back to Revelation chapter 2 and you can read that. Remember, repent, do, listen. Oh yeah, I remember that crazy pastor I had when I was in high school, when I was in elementary school that stood up there. "Ah!" And he said, bless his name. I get to sing. From day to day, every day, 
from now into perpetuity, eternity. There's never going to be a day when we stop singing. People used to ask me when I was in high school and college, I said, if there's one thing that you could do, what would it be? I used to say, oh man, I just wish I could sing. I wish I just had like, I just wish I had a beautiful voice. I wish I just had a beautiful voice. I wish I could sing. And God says it's perfect just the way it is. You may not win America's Got Talent. You may not get a record label. But see, whether it's me and Connor this morning in the living room, singing and dancing and praising his name, or whether it's in here, or whether it's driving down the road, are you singing his name day to day? Declare the glory. Declare the glory of God. Declare his glory. Where? Among the nations. His wondrous works among all the people. See, God doesn't discriminate. We've got slogans and all kinds of ad programs and stuff going on today. We got things like Black Lives Matter, right? Uh Uh-oh, pastor didn't go there, did he? Yes, he did. It's not true. I'm not saying that black lives don't matter, but see, it's not from Scripture. All lives matter. See, the one sheep that went astray, it doesn't tell us what color it was. It doesn't say it was a black one or a white one or a speckled one. It just says that it was a sheep. All lives matter to God. He doesn't prioritize one color over another. He doesn't. He doesn't say, well, if you're a, if you're a French Methodist, then you're the only one that's going to heaven. I've heard people tell us that. I've heard pastors say that, well, unless you're this denomination, and not just that denomination, but this particular sect, or this particular part, or this particular bend on that particular denomination, you're not going to be in heaven. You're not. You're not going to be there. And I'm like, well, that's funny, because I don't see any of those in Scripture. I just see Jesus saying whether he knew us or he didn't know us. Whether or not we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, whether or not we're doing the works of the Father, whether we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, whether or not we're loving our enemies. Anybody love their enemy this week? Or did you get a pass? Did God give you a pass this week on loving your enemies? That's steam coming up out of my head. It's convicting. It's convicting this thing. And he says that you can either adjust your life to this and live by my word, listen, and walk by the Spirit, or can you believe that the Apostle Paul was so concerned that he actually wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, do you not know Runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives a prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. Not everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive perishable crowns, but we do it for imperishable crown. So I, Paul, do not run like those. The person who's running down the street that's getting ready for CrossFit games. And they say, I don't have time for church. I don't have time for Jesus. But you've got time that you can be riding 120 miles on a bike every day. You can spend so much time and interest into measuring every individual nutrient and calorie that goes into your body. How much time did you spend in the Word? I don't have time. I don't have time, brother. 
And Paul's saying right here in Corinthians, he's saying, it's like you've got people who are running around like crazy people. You've got people who are boxing and beating the air because that's their idol, that's their God. And Paul says, instead of all that garbage, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching, after sharing the good news, the gospel, the truth, listen, listen, after doing all that, I myself might not be disqualified. So I wonder if the Apostle Paul, after all the mission trips, after planning all the churches, after writing all of the Holy Spirit-inspired scriptures, after living a life being thrown in prison, being willing to die, if he was concerned that he might be disqualified, why aren't we? Why aren't we? Are we living that way? Today is an opportunity to glorify the king. What are you going to do with it? All nations, all people. And then beginning in verse 4, after it tells us the content and the type and the frequency and the extent and the audience, why? Why would I do all that? Why would I declare the glory of God? Why would I proclaim salvation to the ends of the earth? Why would I sing a new song to him? And the psalmist writes and says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Doesn't say he might be, he could be. There's a fair chance, like the weatherman says, 30% chance that he'll be feared above all other gods. No, it says he is feared above all gods. I remember before I was a Christian, somehow I ended up coming to this verse in the Bible, and I said, aha, there it is. There are other gods. There are other, are other gods, and he's just one who's competing for my attention. Are there other gods? You better believe there are. Are they false? You better believe they are. See, Jesus promises us eternal life, bliss, paradise, together with him. I've been over to Africa where people worship crocodiles and trees and rocks, and they worship the weather or the sun. You know what all those things are? Idols. They're idols. False gods. Amen, Connor. Why do we do all this? Because he is God. For all the gods of the other people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Who else can say that? Who else can say they made the heavens and the earth, that they spoke creation into existence? Nobody. Nobody can say that. Why do we do all these things? Because splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Therefore, this is where I wrap it up. Therefore, Because of the why, because of what he compels us to do, because we're so prone to wander, right? We're so prone to wander. We're so prone to hit the religious autopilot button. Therefore, ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe, that means attribute. Attribute to the Lord that which is rightfully his. Glory, honor, praise, 
verse 8b, it says, bring an offering and enter his courts. What's your offering today? You just entered into the court room of God right here, the body and the bride. What's your offering? What'd you bring? Did you think about it? What am I going to bring today? My hairdo? How much time I spend on my makeup? Do y'all like it? Or is it your life? This is my offering. Take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee. Is that your new song? See, in the reaction, what it should produce in us is that we say among the nations, the Lord reigns, the world is firmly established, it cannot be shaken, he judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. All of creation is singing your praises, God. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all of the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord. They're going to shout for He is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness. Who else gets to say that? Simon Cowell, America's Talent. Does he get to judge all the earth? Does he judge it with righteousness? No. It's only Christ. And he's going to judge all the peoples with his faithfulness, his kessed love, his covenant loyalty. I had four pages worth of notes, and I didn't look at any of them. Can you remember a time when your heart was on fire for the Lord? Can you? Maybe you said never. My heart's never been on fire for the Lord. Maybe it's going to be today. Maybe that as the word was preached and maybe the Holy Spirit convicted you and you said, you know what? I've never truly given my life to him. And today's that day that you get to come forward during the time of invitation. You get to come forward and you get to get down on a knee or you don't understand what that means. You can say, Pastor, I don't know what that means. Can you help me navigate this? I don't even know what this means. That's okay. Maybe it's gone. Maybe that ember is just about simmered out. As I said, today's a new day. Maybe it's now. Maybe right now is when you have a new song in your heart. And I get to say, Amen. Don't abandon your first love, Jesus said. Remember the love you had at first. Repent. Do what you did at first. Listen to the Spirit. Sing a new song. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gift of today and for the blessing of your word that, as Robert Robinson wrote many, many, many years ago, the young pastor prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Our hearts are prone to wander, Lord. But thankfully, you, the good shepherd, you leave the 99 for the one. Maybe there's one here today, God. And our prayer as a church 
Our mission is to pursue, win, and disciple the lost, deluded, and disillusioned. Your word never returns to you void, God. Thank you for the privilege that we have to bless your holy name. And all God's people said, amen.